The Road to Mac Stock with Dr. Marty Gensius. This is Mac Voices. Today's Mac Voices is supported by Collide. Collide ensures only secure devices can access your cloud apps. It's zero trust, tailor-made for Okta. Book a demo today at collide.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this is another one of our Road to Mac Stock shows. It's also one of my favorite things to do because I get to have somebody brand new on the show that I've never had before, as well as welcoming a brand new Mac Stock speaker. I want to introduce you to Marty Gensius. He is, again, a new Mac Stock speaker this year and a first-timer on Mac Voices. I hope it's not the last, Marty. Good to see you. Thank you so much, Chuck, for inviting me on uh, Mac Voices to talk about Mac Stock and talk a little bit about what I'll be presenting uh, at Mac Stock to get listeners and viewers excited about uh, Mac Stock as a whole. That's exactly why we're here. You know, it's it's such a, a great weekend of of fun and fellowship and learning. And of course, that's Mike's topic this year, learning, which happens every year, no matter what you do. Um, but yeah, so folks, if you aren't registered or want to get more information, it's MacStockConferenceAndExpo.com, just like the URL says. Go check it out. Uh, sign up for what's available. And we'd love to have you join us, whether you're in person or virtual. Marty, though, I, you know, this is the great thing about the road to Mac stock, because all I know is that you're a speaker. I don't know how you're going to be approaching Mike's topic of learning. What is, uh, what does learning mean to you in, as far as the Mac stock presentation goes? Wow. Um, for me, that's my job. Um, I work as an associate professor of counseling, um, at Kent State University. So for the last 26 years, I have been a professor teaching and learning with students along the way. So the idea that the topic for MacStock is learning fits sort of in my area and area of interest. Um, I I'm a, have a weird combination because my area of teaching and learning is counseling, but my area of writing is really in technology application. So the thing that I'm bringing to MacStock this year is to talk a bit about AI, in particular ChatGPT, and other types of AI engines, and how it can be used for productivity, but also there are systems you can set up to develop self-learning processes that you can use. So, for example, if there's a skill you want to learn, that's something you can set up through AI to be able to put together a whole learning schedule and resources that you can use to fit each one of those. So my focus will be on that piece as it relates to learning. Wow, that is fascinating because ChatGPT is such a hot topic. Learning is always a great topic to combine them into this. And, and this is always the tough part of the Road to Mac stock. I, I want to ask you so many questions and I don't dare because then we'll just end up having the whole presentation done here. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, ha I have to ask, when you say set up, I guess, a system, um, are we talking about like a schedule? Or are we talking about more of a syllabus kind of thing as to if, if I said to you that I want to use ChatGP to teach me how to, oh, I don't know, um, you know, bake a cake, 
I mean, do, do you, do I get something spit out as a syllabus that says, okay, you know, you have to find the flour, then you have to find the sugar, et cetera, et cetera, or is it something different? What I'm discovering and still learning and what I hope to bring to MaxDoc is there's a whole series of suggestions of what, about what prompts you use. And the more skills that you have at using these prompts, the better responses you get. But yeah, if you want to learn to bake a cake, in my case, I wanted to learn how to use Final Cut Pro. Um, you can ask uh, the search, the uh, AI engines to create a 10 session, two hour uh, for each session schedule on how to learn the basics of Final Cut Pro or how to bake a cake. And then there are additional prompts that you can put in to get things more specified. So you would have the outline, then you could have from that, you could ask the uh, the engine to find resources that fit each part of the outline. And you essentially have a personalized learning plan for baking a cake or learning Final Cut Pro. Is this... <laughs> It, are the are the kind of queries you're talking about? Is there a master list somewhere, or is it? Are we just talking about you teaching us how to craft the query? I wish there was a master list. I, I have put together a lot of resources, resource materials about how to create good prompts for example, Chat GPT, and. What I'm hoping to do is put that into a master list that I'll be able to share with you at MaxDoc and also have ready for you um, on a resource that you can go to and get if you'd like to. Hmm. Okay. So so you're in the process of building that list that we're all looking for. Yeah, and it's inexhaustible. Uh, when I first said I, I wanted to talk about AI, it was relatively new on the market. And people weren't that aware of it. And now people are becoming more and more aware of it. And I'm having a tr trouble keeping up with all the new information that's coming out about how to use it. So if, if, as someone who would like to learn Final Cut or someone who'd like to bake a cake, this is great news because, you know, this this gives us some of those resources. What do you think this is going to do, though, to your profession in education? Is it going to, I mean, it's obviously going to change it, but how do you see it changing it? Well, that's a little bit of the controversy that I, I'm going to start off the presentation with, because in education, people are taking sides with this. Um, and and one of the things that I would argue is that we, if we're really teaching people how to use tools for jobs of the future, then we shouldn't be ignoring this, that we should be leaning into it. Um, so my job might change because then I become a curricular specialist in determining what needs to go into a particular learning system, but automated or AI could put together the materials for me instead of me spending a lot of time trying to do that. I can focus more on the larger questions of learning and the um, deeper thinking that should be going into learning instead of just automatic learn and repeat, learn and repeat. Oh, boy. 
All right, I'm just going to hit it head on, okay? Um, All and, right. And this is not challenging you or challenging the educational system. This is These are just the kind of questions that come to mind, though. If you say that you've created um, your course for Final Cut, but let's say that you're it, you know nothing about Final Cut, that you're in the you're in the business of creating that curriculum, if you will, um, but you you have no way of knowing how to fact check it as to whether it's mm-hmm. a good curriculum, a bad curriculum. I mean, is do you see that as something that is just a an additional responsibility of an educator yeah. or is it a different coming at education from a different angle and how educators are going to have to come at things from a different angle? Yeah, I think educators um, need to be more resourceful in checking whatever resources they have. So if I have a generated curriculum, I need to, I then have the responsibility not just to put it out and say, here's the generated curriculum. But is this the best path? I need I need to go back to sources and look at what sources are saying about what are the important things to learn uh, when you're learning Final Cut Pro or when you're baking a cake. So I still stay in the have to be in the area of content expertise, but I don't have to do all the nuts and bolts of creating the curriculum. I can move it around. I can pull things out. I can make judgments of what's going to fit within the context of my students or the audience that I'm working for? First of all, it's a great answer. And second, it's kind of what I'm, I'm hearing more and more of what I would consider enlightened educators talking about that. It's not, as you said earlier, there's this us and them thing that, you know, this needs to be banned and, you know, check GPT should not ever be, you know, in the educational systems. And I'm sorry, but at the very at the, at the very least, that's not realistic. At worst, it's sticking somebody's head in the sand and just hoping it goes away. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's often tied to educators' own egos about what they're willing to learn and this, the ways in which they learn, they still want to use those methods that I might have learned 30, 40 years ago that don't apply necessarily to the students that I'm working with. So... We'll take a look at that, and um, I'll share some stories about that, and we'll look at some uh, some of the productivity models that are used for using Chat GPT and other AI mo- other AI systems, and um, we'll also look at what are the ethical responsibilities if we're going to use these um, in producing materials. Mm, I like that. Hopefully, you'll get some tips too on how to start to do your work. I, you know, it's such a wide open field because of the the changing nature of what we have access to. We had at least one discussion on Mac Voices Live about the fact that there's going to be a new profession, at least for the the midterm, about learning to craft queries, like just like you're talking about. So it's not it's. You you can approach Chat GPT as just throwing something in, or just like you had to learn how to craft Google searches, now you're going to have to craft Chat GPT or large language model uh, queries mm-hmm. to get the best thing that you can get out of them. Yeah, and I think that's a scary part for educators. They kind of have to go to back to school themselves to be able to learn the tool. <laughs> 
boy, do, do you find, I mean, how, what kind of resistance are you seeing? And I don't want you to tell any stories here. You're saving for Max, <laughs> but, but just across the board, I mean, do you, do you find a lot of resistance or is it pretty well evenly split? You see it come out in the way universities and schools are addressing the permission for using uh, AI bots or chat bots or chat GPT, um, for example, language learning models. Um, and what kind of barriers they're putting up. Uh, we had this discussion in our own program, and um, there was a diversity of response to to incorporating these types of tools into learning. And I'll talk a little bit about that at Mac Voices. And what I think is a typology of how people in the learning communities are accepting or not accepting the use of these types of artificial intelligence systems. Boy, you picked a, a really great topic that has so many different facets right now. I just hope you're going to be able to get through everything in the time allotted. And if not, we have yeah. to have you come back and talk about it here. It's, uh, it's, yeah. it, it's such an exciting, but also, I, I hesitate to say dangerous, but there are times I do feel like it's a little bit dangerous because of the the biases and the perceptions and misperceptions of what's going on out there. One of the pieces that I'll be doing uh, I've kind of gotten into this and then have gotten pulled into it in a variety of ways. I just given a talk on this to a group, group of Turkish educators, um, at their educational research, uh, conference in Turkey. And, um, am going to be meeting with the American Counseling Association this week, uh, with their board to look at how do we teach counselors, which is my profession, about the safe use of these types of uh, artificial intelligence systems? And more importantly, what recommendations do we give them to give to their clients? Because clients are starting to use these kinds of things for emotional support, ideas on, on recovery, things like that. And so the professional association is looking at recommendations or guidelines that we can pass on. So it's broadening. It's a, it's a becoming a very broad issue. Mac Voices is supported by Collide at collide.com slash Mac Voices. Clicking on the wrong link can cause you plenty of headaches if it's just you. But if it's your company, the possibility of clicking a wrong link is multiplied by the number of users right along with the headaches. Your users don't mean to create a problem, but they have other things on their priority list. That's why Collide works so well for Okta users. You can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. If a device isn't compliant and tries to log in, it can't. The user is provided with the information on what needs to be done. If they do it, great. If not, they're blocked. Immediate, helpful device compliance that secures your company. Without Collide, there's nothing to stop an unsecure device. With Collide, unsecure devices don't have a chance to cause issues. And this is all built to work seamlessly with Okta. Zero trust architecture and 100% device compliance. That means fewer support tickets and less frustration all around. Just what the doctor ordered. Visit collide.com slash macvoices to learn more or book a demo. That's collide, K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash macvoices. Collide.com slash macvoices. Thanks to Collide for supporting Mac Voices.
and the fact that you're having to address it this quickly and at <laughs> least get some guidelines down now is evidence of just how i guess how extensive it extensive it is extensive it is and and how different people are approaching it the the fact that you say there's there are folks out there that are using it for emotional support is very interesting and maybe a little scary yeah um ai is essentially a mirror of who you are so when you look at things like uh chatbots um and you hear stories of people um falling into emotional depression and then using chatbots and things getting worse well that's because it becomes a reflection of who they are so what they're putting in it is a depressed person and what they're getting back out is a depressed person um so that's the cautions that we need to think about it from a a mental health standpoint that sounds suspiciously like the the microsoft bot that they 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 let loose out in social media and it instantly, well, not instantly, but very, very quickly became a not very nice entity that had to have a plug pulled on it. Those are the sexy stories. See, those are the things that make the press. Um, those are the things that get the clicks when people see those stories. The kinds of things that we're talking about or that I'll be talking about using it in terms of productivity, developing learning models for individualized learning for for people around whatever topic you want to do, that stuff's not really very sexy. Um, so people don't hear about it. What they hear about more so is the dangers. Is it safe to categorize you as pro large, large language model? I say I'm leaning into it. I would fall into that category of early adopters that are trying to look at it and say, we have a new tool now. Um, this is a tool that our students and future people are going to be using. We need to figure out how to teach with it, and we need to figure out how to teach about it. Um, and so I think it, it, like any example of technology, there were, you think of past examples of technology when they hit the market, um, there was all sorts of forewarnings of the terrible things that are going to happen and some stories of those terrible things happening. But uh, they generally turn out to be either moderated um, as the technology improves or um, the benefits of the technology outweigh um, the fears and the dangers of it. I, I like the, I, I appreciate you calling me out on the, you know, the example, because you're right. I mean, those are the kind of things that stick in your mind. But somebody comes on a podcast and says, hey, you know, I, I can show you how to craft something to teach you how to bake a cake. And it's like, okay. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and so, but, you're, you know, you're right. I mean, and we all do that. You know, we all look for the big, sexy stuff, sometimes the big, scary stuff. And you get you get lost in the fact that this is a tool and you can use it. Just like any other tool, you can either drive that nail or you can hit yourself in the thumb and it hurts like the devil. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working with someone um, to put together this presentation in front of the American Counseling Association board. And he put together a slide deck that included a lot of those scary stories. And I said, this is not the way to win people over to consider this is a tool that we need to put guidelines together for. So, um, you know, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so we recrafted it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Marty, give me a little bit of your background. I mean, I know you've told us what you do and all, but, but how did you come to technology and, and, you know, what, I guess, what other aspects of technology, what, how do they play into your life? Um, I, as I said, I'm an associate professor of counseling. Um, when I started as a doctoral student, Back in the early 90s and mid 90s, um, I was working with an association and they said, uh, we would like to be able to communicate together. And I had been on some listservs and I said, why don't we create a listserv? And they thought, well, that's a great idea. And uh, now that listserv has like 6,000 members on it. Um, and it is the primary form of communication within our field. Once I get a little praise for that. Then I start to look at newer things that I can do. And that meant introducing websites to the field. It meant introducing podcasts to the field. And so then you're the become the go-to guy around technology. And that's sort of been my reputation in, in my professional field. Um, I enjoy it. It's I'm a hobbyist, but I think I'm a little bit more than a hobbyist because I'm doing some media production and things with it. Currently have a have done different podcasts. Currently working on one called Circular Firing Squad that um, is about counseling and life questions. It's patterned after Clockwise. If people if tech folks are familiar with that, um, and I. I admit that I chose that, stole that idea of having people sit around and answer these questions. We're academics, so we can't answer things under a minute, uh, but like they do on clockwise. But uh, that's what I'm working on. And I have a passion for capturing the history of our profession because the people who taught me when I was younger are aging out of the profession and they were very influential and we have a tendency not to keep our history. So I'm working with a couple associations to develop video interviews with some of these older seasoned uh, counselors, group work counselors and counselor trainers um, to capture sort of their history um, and put them in a video and an audio format for members and newer students coming in to learn about. So that's kind of been my pathway. It's um, It was one of these happy accidents that I started one thing, and then they said, will you come talk about that at the, at the next conference? And I said, yep, yeah, but I've got this other thing I want to show you too. And um, I just, I've done things in, uh, in listservs, websites, podcasts. I did virtual worlds for a while. Generally, um, Things that provoke me about the real world, I'll try and find some technology representation of it. So I started doing conferences in in Second Life, uh, counseling professional conferences, um, and so I'm I, and digital textbooks because um, the cost of textbooks are horrendous. And so I've been playing in those realms, um, and that's kind of been my hobby passion. It's kind of fun. I get to combine something that people think is academic, but really is a hobby of mine. Your story sounds like a lot of folks from 
our generation, give or take a bit, um, who, yeah. you know, they, they had a passion for it, even though it had maybe had very little or nothing to do with their jobs, but they brought that passion and the technology and drug it into their profession. And suddenly, yeah, you end up being the go-to tech guy, which is not a bad thing because you can, you can open people's eyes to things. Um, mm -hmm. And, and listen, I, I would, if you have another hour or so, we could cover some of the stuff I want to ask you about. <laughs> We're here to talk about Mac stocks, so maybe we can get yeah. you back on. Um, cause this, this is really fascinating, the, the approach you're taking to it. I, I love the fact that you're trying to preserve the history of yeah. how, how things were because they're evolving so, so fast. And it used to be a complicated process. We used to have to take out cameras and lights and go to the person and do the interviews. And COVID changed a lot of that. It, it brought people up to more of a playing field where we could do these kinds of things uh, easily uh, and record them easily. Uh, and then you just needed some skills to be able to put it together into a product versus having to do all the heavy lifting that we used to have to do in the past. So the technology has really risen to the point to make it much more convenient for us to capture some of this history. That's an argument that I've had a number of times that, that COVID has for all the bad things of it, um, it, changed a lot of things, some things for the good. I'm, care I'm careful to say maybe not a lot, but changed some things. It really did push us ahead uh, yeah. uh, from a, from a, well, just what we're doing now. You know, the tools have gotten better. Folks have gotten more comfortable on cameras. There's still a lot of people that aren't comfortable, but you know, mm -hmm. that's what it is. Um, and it's, it's kind of rare now, although I still run into it. Maybe you do that. Somebody says, well, I can't join a video chat because my computer doesn't have a camera. It's like, really? Are you driving an Edsel too? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's rare, but it's interesting because I'm working with a generation that's 10 to 15 years older than me. Um, and I'm interviewing folks who are 82, 86, and they know how to use Zoom because they've done it with their grandchildren for the last couple of years. And so they've learned how to use that technology. So it's really been, seamless for me in trying to set up these these interviews for their history and they appreciate it so a prime example of learning something because you want to do something with it as opposed yeah. to being told you have to That's yeah i i kind of make the joke for years they said oh he's the tech guy you know we're counselors we don't you know, we don't do technology. We sit in front of people and we talk to them. And then COVID hit and suddenly my stock value went up. Uh, you know, I was doing workshops on how to use Zoom, how to incorporate it into teaching. Um, and it's sort of like, yeah, you all laughed at me for a long time, but I've, I've kind of got the last laugh now. I understand. I understand. You're yeah. among friends. You're among friends. <laughs> Um, Pre-Mac stock, what's the best way for folks to see some of what you do or connect with you? Um, and, of course, at Mac stock, we'll all find out a lot more and get to know each other in person. But for now, where should we send folks? Um, you can send folks to – and I'll, I'll work on my website to make sure it's up to date uh, – J-E-N-C-I uh, dot U-S or J-E-N-C-I-U-S dot net. Um, 
circularfiringsquad.net, all one word, will get you to a website that will give you connections to the podcast if you want to listen to a little bit of that. Um, and the videos are now membership only for our association. But um, as we get to meet it at MaxDoc, I'll have more links up for folks on how to get those and take a look at them. Great. Marty, thank you. This has been a real pleasure. I'm I'm really looking forward to your session and uh, maybe some of the, the hallway conversations afterwards because there's just so much here that I'm anxious to learn about and see what your experiences have been. Thanks, Chuck. It's it's an honor to be on with you, um, and particularly with Mac Voices. And I'm glad that we op- had this opportunity to make uh, a connection this time. So great. Yeah, we took a little while to get the scheduling right, but we got it. We got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I will see you shortly, uh, just a few weeks as as it is right now, as we record this at Max Talk. Yeah. Okay. Folks, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. Again, MacStockConferenceAndExpo.com is where you want to go to find out everything about the speakers, what they're going to be talking about. Uh, we obviously are continuing the Road to MacStock series right up till we get all the presenters uh, talked to, if, if we can get them, get the schedules worked out. Um, and we will hopefully see you one way or another, uh, either virtually or in person at MacStock at the end of July. As always, Thanks for watching. Visit MacVoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with MacVoices magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash MacVoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.